Hello again, listeners. Welcome to Popcorn Talk. I am Logan Roschke, the senior designer and podcast editor for the Daily Eastern News. We are still doing the summer edition of Popcorn Talk, in case you don't know what it is. We're just kind of, well, it's not weird. I'm the only one who's doing it right now. Um, I'm basically just highlighting older films, anything pre-2010s that I feel people should, you know, watch. Because, you know, some of these things are, some of these films are very strange. Some of them are just unique in their own merits. And there are some that are just absolutely out there. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, one of those films. Uh, If you know who David Lynch is, he has done a lot of surrealist films, a lot of surreal independent films. And uh, think of like Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive. He also did Twin Peaks. I love that show. I still do. Um... He's a very, very, very surreal film director who kind of just does whatever he wants. And a lot of his films stir up many questions, many analytical people. And we're going to be talking about one of those films today. We're going to be talking about Eraserhead. I'm going to try to attempt to analyze a small portion of the morbid artistry that is Eraserhead. Yes, I'm going to try and likely fail in many regards to explain a film that defies explanation, all in about 15 or 20 minutes or so. So buckle yourself in. It's going to be a very weird ride on this episode of Popcorn Talk. The 1977, excuse me, the 1977 indie horror film uses a number of storytelling tools to target our human senses into succumbing to fear and perplexity. The film is shot beautifully in black and white, implying from the start that we're in a world much different than our own. Startlingly familiar yet unreal imagery floods the screen, filling us with uncertainty and unease. People look like people, but they don't act like people. It's all very surreal and uncanny. So let's talk about what the film is about. Henry Spencer, a printer, finds himself in a different kind of uncertain situation. He has impregnated a woman named Mary out of wedlock. Despite them both being far from ready to marry, let alone co-parent a child, they indulge in the domestic wife-husband relationship in preparation of the newborn. Henry comes to realize that his son looks more like a naked mole rat fetus than it does a human baby, as it's born with ungodly deformations. From there, the new father's life spirals out of control as the very fabric of his reality slowly tears apart. Enamored viewers beg this film to make sense, but it refuses. Lynch himself said the story could mean anything. The meaning is in the mind of the viewer. And let's face it, overanalyzing something as mysterious and curious as Eraserhead does erase, some of the dreadful sensation we feel when watching it, stumbling over our own analyzations and predictions about its meaning. Peter Sabinski, a writer for Roger Ebert, says it best in his analytical perspective. He says to explain Racerhead would be like cutting a drum open to see what makes the noise. You may get your answer, but you tend to ruin the drum in the process. Moreover, I'm going to try to analyze pieces of the film from my own, exp- from my own perspective so that in this cacophony of confusion and chaos, there might be some clarity. Not that this film needs clarity, though. It's perfectly surreal and mystifying in its own David Lynch brand kind of way. And in that regard, it may not be a masterpiece of cinema, but it's certainly worth a watch. There are three things that struck me with curiosity the first time I watched Eraserhead. Henry Spencer, 
the film's closest thing to a protagonist, the baby, and the lady in the radiator. Unfortunately, there's no good way to analyze these three important aspects of the film without giving away some spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film already, you really should close out of the podcast, watch it, come back, confused and possibly terrified, and evaluate what I have said and see if it makes any sense to you. Don't be upset if you can't make sense of this movie. That's not the point of the movie. So let's talk about Henry. Henry's a very curious fellow, not in the sense that he's curious about life, no. He's just very strange. He's probably the least strange character in the film, though. He has a sense of duty and responsibility to be a father to his deformed son, but viewers get a feel for his desire to abandon his son and his new wife. Despite his wants to separate, he stays for good or bad. One surreal portion of the film has Henry crushing little tadpole creatures that squirm like worms with his shoes. The tadpole the tadpoles closely resemble sperm, so maybe his stomping on them portrays a message of regret. He regrets impregnating Mary. He wishes he could go back or somehow stomp his son out of existence. Another strange scene in the film sees Henry's head decapitated from its body. From there, factory workers use his head to make erasers for pencils. Ah, so that's where the title eraser head comes from, I guess. But what is that supposed to mean? Well, like stopping the tadpoles or his sperms out of manifestation, he likely wants to erase any memory of his actions that led him down this undesirable path of fatherhood. He wants to erase his mind, erase his fatherly responsibilities, and, re and erase his son from being in his life, or maybe erasing himself from his son's life. It's, like he, it's likely he wants nothing to do with his son because he sees him as an abomination rather than a harmless baby. If none of these analyzations are true, something is clear from the start. Henry does not want to be a father, or he's at least very uneasy with the notion of fatherhood. Maybe he feels overpowering guilt for his sins, quote-unquote, impregnating a woman out of wedlock and fathering a, quote, bastard son. Maybe that guilt manifests itself into the abomination of a son. It doesn't matter which way you look at Eraserhead, Henry does not want to be a father. He wants to erase that part of himself. So let's talk about the baby. The baby, born from Henry and Mary, is in all physical aspects an abomination. It resembles something like a horse fetus, not a human baby. Its neck is long and skinny. Its extremities are absent. Its head is long with eyes on either side instead of front facing. Its coos sound almost alien-like, not like a real baby. And the closest thing it has to an internal anatomy is a hodgepodge of guts and scrambled organs. At least in Henry's and the viewer's eyes, it is anything but a normal human baby. Even still, it needs to be fed and taken care of. It needs responsibility and care from its parents in order to survive. And even though it looks nothing like a baby, talks nothing like a baby, and acts nothing like a baby, everyone else in this weird, maybe apocalyptic world that is so different from our own regards it as nothing but a baby besides Henry, of course. The baby seems to exist in spite of Henry in some ways. While Henry is far from a normal person, he has the most manners and responsibilities out of any character in the film. He tries to remain courteous and polite when socializing with Mary's family, and he's the only known character to have a job. Despite that, the baby needs care when it is least convenient for Henry. And the baby even laughs at his father when he fails. 
At one point, the baby literally cackles at Henry's pathetic attempts at being a father. The baby already brought shame upon his father when he was born. Now he's laughing at him, I guess kind of rubbing it in Henry's face. The baby is ultimately killed when Henry unwraps its cloths and finds the scramble of disassembled organs in place of its body. Henry stabs it repeatedly until it's dead and crying out. The hideous baby was never wanted. But after its death, visions of the baby's alien-like head flash in and out of Henry's mind, coming to fruition in the form of horrific hallucinations. Is this guilt Henry's feeling? Is the baby haunting his ungrateful father? I don't know. It could be both or either. In any case, Henry can't escape the fact that he's a father, and his son serves to remind him that he's a shameful father at that, even after the baby's gruesome death. And now let's talk about the lady in the radiator. This is a part of the movie that really confused me for a long time. I was just trying to understand what her point, what her purpose in the film was, and I don't think I have anything close to an answer. I think I just have my opinion. Well... You can say that about every analyzation you make of this movie because no answer is right. So let's just dive right into it. A woman seems to be living in Henry's radiator. Like everything else in the film, something's very off about this woman. You know, besides the fact that she's like living in a in a radiator, of course. She has exaggerated puffed out cheeks, sports an overtly round haircut, and wears the same old fashioned dress that she always wears in every scene. Like a music box, she appears occasionally to sing a cryptic, repetitive song for Henry. And the lyrics are, In heaven, everything is fine. In heaven, everything is fine. In heaven, everything is fine. You got your good thing, and I've got mine. Despite how the viewer might feel about such an unsettling woman singing such an unsettling song, Henry actually takes some comfort in hearing the radiator woman's morose, albeit calming, melody. The woman's appearance is initially the most striking thing about her character. She looks human, but not quite. She has a normal figure, but her head is very round because of her haircut and puffed up cheeks. Figures that are more round in shape tend to seem more comforting to humans, so her appearance could be an exaggerated symbol of comfortability in Henry's mostly uncomfortable life. She's also the only character that is always smiling. A smile implies happiness and tranquility in most cases. Maybe she's the beacon of good fortune, escapism, and contentment for, her, for Henry. The way I interpret her son's meaning is that the woman in the radiator is explaining to him that there is a release from this unwanted reality. That release is death. When Henry's dead, there will be no more bad feelings, feelings of regret, guilt, and sadness over fathering an unwanted child, because everything is fine in heaven. This would imply that Henry must die to escape his problems, but because he's young and healthy, he'd have to commit suicide. At one point in the film, Henry and the woman in the radiator embrace before the screen erupts in bright white light. This could certainly be analyzed as Henry's death, the ultimate escape from his bleak reality. In any case, Henry perceives the radiator woman as a, quote, good thing, something that may be, something may be a new reality or an escape that is wanted and attainable. That is what this woman represents. Once Henry gets a hold of this mysterious woman... Everything erupts in light until there is nothing. I believe she represents Henry's death, and the fact that Henry grabs onto her implies to me that he has killed himself or gained control of his own death. So let's talk about my final thoughts on this movie, because if I analyzed every little thing about this movie, 
we'd be sitting here for at least half an hour, folks, and I don't think any of us want that. So in conclusion, these analyzations come nowhere close to any grounded truth in the meaning of eraser head because there is no true meaning like i said before everything is left to interpretation as is everything david lynch produces but despite the unpleasant and unreal imagery the film presents to unsuspecting viewers attempting to make sense of a film that defies explanation is really fun at least i think it is if you haven't seen the film yet do yourself a favor and check it out it plays out like a nightmare in real time. That's something that I have heard from a lot of people who have watched it. And let's face it, it's so much fun. It's so intriguing. I don't know if fun is the right word. It really puts your brain to work to watch something so surreal and horrific, a nightmare in real time. If you do like surrealism and horror and you want to see the two coalesce into something so beautifully strange that understanding just cannot grasp it i would highly recommend this film it is a film that i literally cannot rate it's a film that i cannot explain it's a film that i can't completely analyze and say hey this is what the film is about i just can't because nobody can this is a film that defies explanation and that's what makes it so damn beautiful but anyway i hope you liked this analysis of eraser head um if you do want to check it out i do believe it's on h it's definitely on hbo max that's where i watched it um i just recently found out about this film uh i've known about it for a very long time but i wanted to check it out for a very very long time and i just never got around to doing it so i'm so glad i finally did that check it out on hbo max if you have it or if not rent it watch it just watch it. It's worth a watch, 100%. All of the movies on this summer edition of Popcorn Talk are worth a watch, 100%. If you liked this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcast. We are on Spotify as well. We publish everything through Anchor.fm. And we're on, I think, at least five... I think it's about five other podcast platforms, too. If you want to know what those are, visit www.dailyeasternews.com because this is a Daily Eastern News podcast and all of our information is on there. Again, thank you so much for listening. I will see you guys next time on Popcorn Talk.